Just a few words um, of introduction to um, Ayatataloka. Um, Ayatataloka um, normally um, resides in California, Northern California, at Aranya Bodhi. Um, perhaps she'll say a few words about the hermitage there. And um, she's come to New Zealand um, to undertake um, some personal um, study leave. And she's been working on various aspects of um, the Bhikkhuni Vinaya um, for the benefit of the um, Bhikkhuni um, community. And also she's visiting, uh, she's just visited Australia um, to meet up with some of the um, monastic community in Perth and and Melbourne. And um, she leaves next week to return to the US. I'd like to invite you to speak to us. I hope that you'll be able to hear me on the other side of the room. My voice is not so strong. Uh, are you able to hear all right? Oh. So I feel very happy to have this time to meditate together. Having been on a retreat for a good part of this last month, as Alison was mentioning, I've been delving into the depths of our ancient Buddhist women's monastic discipline, as the Buddha taught not only Dhamma, but uh, uh, discipline and practice, as you all well know. There were only Dhamma, but there were no practice, and there would be no benefit. <laughs> the practice is where we find and we find the benefit um, much of the time, many times. Although listening to the Dhamma well is itself a practice. Yeah. Great benefit can come even just from listening to the Dhamma. It's the insight that can occur at that time. So, this. This is one of the factors of enlightenment also, right? that we work with How to listen well is very, very important. Uh, not to mention how to use our other senses well. How to see well. How to look well. How to look for what's true, what's real. And to glean that out of what we're, out of what we're seeing, out of what we're hearing. How to take the benefit out of it. But I one time suggested that we should be like um, like honeybees that go to the flower and don't damage the flower at all. And they don't destroy the flower in taking out the nectar that they gain nutriment from, that they make honey out of and sustain themselves from. So at our monasticism and the environment conference, uh, in the United States, with Buddhist uh, monastics and Christian monastics, which is Gethsemane III at uh, Thomas Merton's monastery. Uh, I was to speak on our monastic discipline and what the Buddha taught about the environment. And uh, there are actually lots of good things in there, lots of important things in there that would be called moral principles or, or principles for life. That uh, if we related them to the way that we live in our world, 
and with one another. If we were to take that as the basis of an environmental ethic, there's a small analogy of the honeybee going into the flower and uh, taking the nectar, but without damaging the flower or its fragrance in any way. What an environmental ethic is this huh? <laughs> I think that would be a very good way to move forward. I like the idea. <laughs> um, so, I've very much been enjoying the time uh, in this beautiful country. And um, I want to thank all of you uh, for the causes and conditions that have made it possible uh, for me to, to be invited and to come and to be supported, uh, well supported here during this time. Uh, this is a land, as I think all of you very well know, such beautiful mountains and the natural bush is so incredible and beautiful seacoast and uh, not, not to mention all the birds and all oh, up in the high mountains I know. Marahoy, not even with just the volcanic rocks and these tiny flowers, so incredibly beautiful, blooming out of the rock. Yeah? And also, I look to that as my Dharma teacher, my example. Yeah? Even the circumstance like that, uh, it's like, I think, hard rock and little seed has come down. But how, how it's grown up so beautiful. Like sometimes our heart can be this way too. <laughs> sometimes, of course, none of us wish to ever be hard-hearted. <laughs> but sometimes, for whatever reason, according to conditions, for whatever reason, our hearts become hard. Like that, about something. Huh? And how, how to let the water come in and how to let the seed of goodness like grow and crack open that rock and uh, blossom in its place. So amazing and beautiful. Huh? Um, and we have, we have such possibilities ourselves. Maybe many of you have experienced it at times. Uh, hopefully in so many ways and so many times in your life. Even how we can be with others can also be like that. Yeah? Sometimes when people are being hard on themselves, just that kind of uh, small sweetness yeah, can sometimes be what opens, what melts, what, uh, what creates that, that opening of possibility and opportunity. So I want to appreciate the, uh, the great natural beauty of this country and uh, the goodness of people here. I think, I feel like uh, everywhere that I've been so far, I feel like people are making a wonderful effort to be good, to be kind, uh, to be kind-hearted, to be generous, uh, to be patient. Uh, even when I don't understand the proper difference between a rug and a shawl and a blanket. 
<laughs> I wonder what happened to us. <laughs> what did we do that that changed? How did that change? Huh? Because naturally, so much of this practice, as the Buddha discovered then at that time, and the crucial insights that he attained at that time, and didn't know then that it would work afterwards he said, was remembering states of ease and clear awareness, touching into that again, which we all have. We all have memory of it in our bodies, in our minds, and the possibility to touch into it, to reconnect with that also there. Now, for those of you who have been practicing for a long time, you may have had a sense of this. But it's amazing. Sometimes it takes quite, quite a while of trying, trying, and like mind goes too loose, dreaming, going away. Then the mind is too tight, pushing too hard. We try to pay attention to our breath. Hard enough to make our chest ache, our belly ache, our nose ache. We're paying attention to make our nose. One friend, one friend of mine learned the method of watching her breath right underneath her nose. And she tried so hard, and she got a nose ache. Strong nose ache that went into her head, and then headache. Oh, this is supposed to be a good thing. <laughs> I wanted to get rid of my headaches. Now I have more headaches. <laughs> oh my. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying the method really hard. <laughs> What's wrong? Yeah. To find, uh, to find that, uh, amount of, amount of trying that we are attentive, but also relaxed. Relaxed, but attentive. The two with, with, with each other, harmonized together, like this gesture of the folded, folded palms, like these two, right there, working together in practice balance, in tandem, and abilities that we naturally have. We touch back into that again, discover Even for a moment, like that tiny mountain flower, even such a moment is so sweet, so precious, can really be like one of the little, little flowers that I know. Totally rare, but also like a key, because putting that key in, turning it, opening that door, then the room that is beyond that is expansive, and as we walk in, it becomes wider and wider more and more open, clear, free, and spacious, and it's ours. Not something that needs to be grasped or held, but ours by our birthright, naturally, as human beings. Such a wonderful thing. I really appreciate in Theravada Buddhism that we have these great stories of the ancient enlightened ones, Arahantos, Arahantos, now I've been in monastic life for about 25 years, since young I know, but since being a teenager, since the end of my teenage time, that time early on then I thought, oh, I want to become an adult. 
a perfectly, completely enlightened one. This is my goal. And, and tried very hard, but yeah, night and day, day and night. I have to say now, uh, although I don't think I'm an Arahant, the benefit that has come out of this practice, out of doing it, being willing to do it, each day to work with it, to train myself in it, and just bit by bit to work, to work, to work, to work with it, as if kneading clay or dough or like drops of water falling into the bucket. The benefit that has come out of this better than I could imagine. So many wonderful surprises in this practice. Or finding balance. In a way, it's very simple. About a kind of attunement. Now I have everything digital, so I don't know if anybody has the radio where you tune the dial anymore. I remember the radio tuning trying to tune into the station and like getting it almost and then too far and have to go back and like to find just where it comes in most clearly, like that, with our body and mind, how we're using our body and mind, our thoughts, our speech, emotions of our body, what we choose to do, as for our meditation. In this case, I don't mean to exclude anything from meditation. All of these things can be meditation. In the Buddha's teaching on mindfulness, he even mentions, mentions going to the toilet. Huh? Also included. Nothing excludes. Nothing is not such a precious opportunity. Or where such benefit can't be found. The practice of mindfulness is very excellent for me. Mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of the breath, getting to know our feelings. Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to know how we allow our body and mind to become balanced so that we can see and know everything. We have the space to see and know everything of ourselves. We can allow, we can even invite that knowledge, that knowing, and we know how to hold it. As we know how to hold our body and breath with care, kindness, attentiveness, ease, imbalance, so too with our feelings, so too with everything in our mind. But if there's nothing of our mind, nothing of our heart, that we're not able to see and know that we shut out knowing internally and externally because, in fact, all that you're seeing looks like outside. Experiences our own mind. We see and know this via our own mind. Is it internal or is it external? Internally and externally. Externally and internally. Nothing that we can't see and know. With kindness, with compassion, with presence, with awareness. With the mind and body in balance, at ease, aware. It's a beautiful thing. Even when we see the things that are profoundly painful, profoundly difficult, terrible tragedies, accidents, when our loved ones are passing away, when we can see in this way, when we can know in this way, that 
there is the profound beauty there too. These are very incredibly precious moments of life, of what it is to be human, of our opportunities for awakening. Nothing excludes, in fact, such times that others return away from can be even all the more so in terms of being such precious opportunities for our heart opening, for insight, for the deepening of love and compassion, appreciation. And in that depth, there is also the deep equanimity because when there is nothing left out, the mind becomes steady by going deep into the heart of the earth, deep into the heart of the body, deep into the heart of the mind, right the center, in the depth. If there's nothing that can't be seen, can't be known, the mind becomes steady, strong. The community is there. All the things, high and low, dark and bright, can be fully seen and lost. Everything of our world, everything of our experience, and is made for strength. The people who touch into this, we say, have integrity. They're still united together in that. This is the place where Sila Samadhi Panya the clear, true heart. Natural. We have this incredible wiring with human body and brain for this amazing potential of experience. All of that, the heights of various saints and sages and ordinary people who have never heard about their religious experiences. This equipment I heard as a young person in university studying that we use such a small fraction of our brain <laughs> in general, of, of the wiring, of the equipment that comes with the human body of our brain and our nervous system. Now learning about this in the last 25 years has become quite popular. For me, I heard about this oh, I want to learn how to use the other 90%. <laughs> through the day and crash through the night <laughs> oh, to work like slaves for drudgery, dullness and boredom. Oh well we can do that too. <laughs> it's perfectly our choice, perfectly our option. There are many ways to live. And uh, so I, I don't mean to be critical of who who likes to live in any particular way. But we have choice. We have, uh, and we have capability. We have the option. We have whatever we believe the creation of humanity to be. We come with this uh, amazing, wonderful capacity. And also, fortunately, this guidebook with the path of practice, with people who are doing it, with those in our human history who have done this only. Completely 
and we live in a time and place where that hasn't completely been forgotten. In fact, it seems that this knowledge and way of practice is actually again on the rise, on the spread uh, through humanity, which I think is a very wonderful thing. Not only good for us individually who've encountered this, but good for humanity as a whole. A good and bright and hopeful thing for all the mindfulness. Loving kindness. Working with the mindfulness tends towards equanimity. When we become fully mindful, our mind becomes balanced. It is a balanced zone and natural qualities come forth from that. Like joy, happiness, peacefulness, contentment, love and compassion can naturally, naturally come forth for On the other hand, working with loving kindness, loving kindness practice, not only loving kindness, but all four Paramahamsas, with loving kindness, with compassion, the love of the mom for her, her only child, that's given as the example for our loving kindness, in that there is compassion. When a mom loves so and her baby cries, oh, she feels compassion. Within that, there is appreciative joy. When her baby is delighted by something, how she feels delighted. When her baby is able to take some steps, one step, two steps, three steps, and not fall down, how happy she feels. And the equanimity is also there within that. It has to be there. We have to have that as human beings, or none of us could have grown up. Our mothers would have killed us. Really, young mom, baby wakes up 20 times during the night screaming and crying. Can't sleep for weeks on end. If it weren't for that depth of love and the equanimity that is there inside it to see through to know, to see through, to pass through that, that balances her mind, none of us would be alone. <laughs> but, but all of us have, like, in our genes, yes, part of our humanity, developed and brought forth by circumstance for that moment. But for all of us, we have the ways that we can bring that forth. The practice of Pramaviharas, the active practice of Pramaviharas, really working with them, developing, so valuable, really does that. And equanimity is there within that. So from the loving kindness becomes equanimity. Balance. From working with mindfulness also becomes equanimity and loving kindness. From both, we can access deeper meditation. Right there, access point. Right there. Open. Brings you right there. As if you came to a house or you came here and then you're just at the door on the doorstep, all you have to do is step in. Just there. For the deeper message. And that place is also an excellent one for the natural arising of insight. Seeing the nature of things as we haven't seen before. In ways it deepens that steadiness of the mind. Because 
If we grasp after things that aren't real, we are always in danger, can easily be shaken. Our balance is precarious. Even if we keep our balance for a few days or a little while, something happens different than we thought, not what we believe, not what we like, we will shake, get shaken. If we look deep, attending to what's true, attending to what's real, that one is unshaking, safe. No matter what happens, it's real, it's true. <laughs> no matter what, there's no way you can be thrown because of looking for what's real, for what's true, attending to that. Whatever background of faith we have, I think every good faith loves truth. If it's not based in what's real, and not proper for faith anyway, what is real, what is true, is proper to have. To trust, I mean to trust. It is a place where we can trust, and trust is something that allows that deep, deep relaxation, unbinding, and freeing of the heart. I mean trusting in what's real. I found disappointment in very many things in life. False promises. Not actually for What about Santa Claus? What about the gift fairs? Do you have those here in New Zealand as well? I <laughs> see. There are so many things like this. But I never found disappointment with this particular practice. Never in the slightest. If I keep with the Buddha's teaching, I should ask you to not believe my word for it, but test for yourself. See for yourself. See if it's true. If it is, then believe it. And believe it as a wise person. For it's had the great grace in human life to see and know what is true, what is real, for her, for himself. I don't know if there's anything better than that. So, this is my small reflection on balance, on time and time. Uh, especially looking at ways to cultivate that and mindfulness, loving kindness, the balance of samatha and vipassana, of calm, awareness, looking for and seeing what's real and what's true. Making that a refuge. Not a question, but it's a statement. And it's more how to criticize babysitting for my daughter's um, She's got three year old and a nine month old, and she's had no sleep. Oh. And I thought you wanted to talk about what you said about equanimity. Because she loves me so much. She said otherwise she probably would have killed me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just marvel at her balance. And she's trying to get me to get her. Mm. Well, I'm very glad that you're helping her out. (laughs) (laughs) When we are challenged in these things, the help of uh, us loved ones, our friends, our family members, are very important, can be very important. Whether it's with the uh, the young children or whether it's with something else. If you ever can, if you have a way to look out for somebody with these things, please, it's still a good way to do it. Even if you don't know how to do it, but you just have your good heart, then go ahead. <laughs> do what you can. Very uh, important. Sometimes just some kind of loving kindness and support is uh, 
which would help those students, kind of like being a secret center, can look for your opportunities. This is a popular movement now, at least in U.S. There's a, uh, is it practicing random acts of loving kindness. That's a counter movement to random acts of violence. Now we have road rage on the highways. Encourage people to practice loving kindness in general to truly see who is next to you. When you traffic them, look at them with loving kindness. If they seem like they're in a hurry, rather than feeling resentful to them, uh, or frustrated with them, please, if you can, chance to practice loving kindness and generosity. What can I, what can I do? What can I share? It's good. Actively practice that. That's the only device. Then your time's not wasted. If any of you spend time driving, I'm not sure how much of your life if you calculate, I would suggest how to make that good practice time. So that you feel like, oh, this is really time well spent. This is really worth it. Hmm. Can do. Right? You can. Just a matter of a choice to do so. I have another friend who really used to dislike driving, and she's had to commute to work and uh, commute in the rush hour, and really built up her stress every time she had to go through out into traffic in the rush hour, and and stress her in both ends. And she mentioned then that she got the idea from someone, like one of her friends, uh, suggested that she try practicing mindfulness, loving kindness with driving. And at first she thought that's a crazy idea. <laughs> uh, and uh, then slowly the idea started to seep in. And then she started to work with it bit by bit and uh, actually developed that really well. And she said she would get in the car after working and take that as her time for practicing mindfulness and loving kindness. By the time she got home, she felt much better. <laughs> Refreshed, relaxed, at ease, comfortable, really good. I've done this with going to the dentist. Yes, yes, really true. Uh, now, I heard, uh, and maybe I read in the magazine, about people using meditation and being able to go to the dentist and have a root canal without anesthesia. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to try. Oh, I've practiced meditation for a while now. Why don't I try? I asked the dentist then I had to uh, crack the tooth and I had to go to the root canal and put the crown. I asked the dentist, I want to try this without anesthesia. The dentist said no. <laughs> that would be a real mess. <laughs> you know? I've had people try this before. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've been meditating for a while now. I want to try it. <laughs> no. 
anyway, for a while I didn't have further opportunities. Uh, and then, then I got my opportunities. Uh, in Northern California, not far from a body house and at anybody awakening for a hermitage. Uh, there is a various gentleman who's a dentist and faithful Buddhist and offers his dental care to all monastics. He has many Catholic ladies from the Philippines who work there. They're Catholic, and so he offers to the Catholic monastics as well. So the Buddhist monastics and Catholic monastics, and he's happy, and all the ladies who he works with are happy. And they get along really, really well in that. So then I went, and he said, you have seven cavities. Shall we take care of them now? Said normally we would schedule another one or two or three appointments. But you're a Buddhist monastic and a meditator. We could just take care of them right now. All right. And uh, then he looked at me and he said, Do you need anesthesia? He said, No. I've been wanting to try this without anesthesia <laughs> for several years now. <laughs> and the last dentist wouldn't let me. <laughs> and uh, and so so we tried. Yeah. And I sat back in the chair and relaxed mindfulness and I thought about the dentist and the dental hygienist, dental assistant. To, with loving kindness, open up the space of loving kindness, yeah? mindfulness and loving kindness around them, like holding them in that space, like mom holds her baby, yeah? like that. So, as we hold our blessings, as we hold our dear as we are held by them, like, like that in my heart. Relax. Then drill comes down and the back. Yeah. So, oh, actually, I know how to put my mind on the spot. I learned that. Yeah. We learn that. How to put our mind on the place. Like, place of the breath. Yeah. Can, can do that. Yeah. Okay. Put my mind on the spot. Yeah. As practicing this breathing. And then, I found, it's no painful. Just like can see little nerves going like like this and it's space. I'm space So then change assistant next team next team because the assistants don't work so long. At a stretch. And within two and a half, three hours, all done. And when I got up from the chair, I felt so refreshed. So good. And the friend who had brought me to the dentist then said, You look so fresh and relaxed. <laughs> she said, I've just been sitting out here reading all these magazines, but I'm exhausted. Why <laughs> do you look so good? <laughs> I said, yeah, I feel better than when I walked in. 
Het is net deze kant. En hij had een friends with the Thai temple nearby. And uh, one elder Thai monk there I liked very much. He was there. Uh, elder, elder Ajahn. I said, I went, no, I was excited. I said, Ajahn, I have a chance to do it today. What? I went to the dentist and seven fillings, no anesthesia. He said, no. I said, yes, it was great. He said, no. He said, Ajahn, you should do it. My, I'm glad. These kind of experiences, when our meditation really works for us, when our practice really works for us, really gives a lot of joy and confidence and. Um, Really, it's not good strength and good energy. Yeah? I'm not saying that next time I go to the dentist will be like that. Maybe I just got lucky. But really, really it is confidence and confidence in you. Yeah? And by surprise, the circumstances come up. We realize, oh, if it weren't for this practice, this would have been tough. Or even it is tough. But it's not killing later. It's not breaking later. In fact, for who has keen mind for practice, even it can seem that this is like really an opportunity to grow. Really, an opportunity to go beyond what the other things can do. So, I feel very happy for all of this. Uh, having just a little bit of experience of the benefits of this path, um, and, um, and, and knowing what good that can do, uh, I feel very happy for you for what benefit you have. And I uh, appreciate spending this evening together. Um, uh, if any of you come to Northern California and would like to see some uh, some hills and some oceanside that look surprisingly familiar, <laughs> uh, very welcome to visit our Rainier Body Awakening Forest Hermitage. This is like uh, a Bikuni monastery. We have uh, the Bikuni seminaries of women novices, uh, aspirants, also people come for their own retreat time. Uh, and a uh, very, very beautiful place. So, welcome. If, if you find yourself for uh, whatever reason coming that way. And, um, mm, very glad to have had this time here. Now, there are a growing number of women who are, are getting encouraged now uh, to go forth into monastic life and to ordain in the way that the, the Buddha established such a long time ago in Theravada Buddhism. And uh, so the number who are interested in doing this, surprisingly, 
uh, is far greater than our facility or our capacity to receive them so far um, at this time. We try to do the best that we can. Um, and uh, I'm very glad for this time to look more deeply into what the Buddha taught for our discipline and to be able to then bring and share that uh, with others. Because, um, as Allison mentioned, I, I had the chance to visit the monastery in Western Australia recently, where I had the privilege, that, the honor of helping to ordain the women there, and uh, in, in the United States as well. And I really want to be able to share as much of the benefit of what the Buddha taught with with those who are coming uh, for that as possible. So I'm really glad to have this time to look more deeply into it. And I hope that benefit will come back here, as this has been a place for, uh, for, for deeper learning that makes it possible to, to share that with others. I hope also that benefit will, will return uh, to this land as well. In whatever way would be best for everybody here. Uh, for our peacefulness and our long-term happiness. Who is Diane? Diana. Oh, Diana. I see. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can see. And thank you for opening up the space for all of us. I've heard that if she wasn't here, we wouldn't be able to get in. <laughs> <laughs> and Alison also. And thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming and sharing some thoughts with us. And um, very nice to see you all here. Thank you all for coming. And. Uh, what we usually do at the end of our um, evening is um, we're going to um, put away our mats and cushions, so if you want to help a bit with that, that would be most welcome. Um, and otherwise, um, I just want to remind you that um, 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 dana, generosity in relation to um, our, um, our little centre here, um, Wellington Insight Meditation Community, but above all, um, um, to, uh, for the support of the Bikuni um, Sangha. You're most welcome to there's a little data box up in the, in the hallway if you want to um, take up that suggestion. Uh, so um, otherwise, thank you all for coming and um, um, maybe one day um, we'll be able to have the um, pleasure of um, Ayatollah's company again. Um, nothing at this time is planned, um, but there is a strong possibility that she'll be returning to this part of the world. And um, all so things being all things being in place. Yes. Well, <laughs> if good conditions are there. So. But I'm very happy that this is a uh, it is completely a Dana based group, Dana based community. I'm really happy about that. Uh, we have lots of places in the U.S. 
that are taking uh, Buddhist meditation as a kind of hot commodity <laughs> and are not all places are dana based. Um, some places to listen to a good teacher, you have to pay quite a lot. And some places there's something called a suggested donation of say fifty to two hundred dollars for uh, suggested donation. Uh, I really, really appreciate the like completely, completely database operation. Not to criticize anybody else, also, but but I very much appreciate this. Um, and I think for that's really, really good for a person like me who's speaking, because uh, I just like to do this for nothing. <laughs> I mean, what I mean by that is just just for the love of giving. Uh, not fortunately, I don't have to think about this as what is it? I, I don't have to support my family or my children's education or or like this these kinds of things, which means that this can be I, I can live with doing everything as a free offering, which for me from my heart is very good. Uh, that that works really well. Very simple and uncomplicated and keeps keeps everything really clear. So I want to appreciate that, uh, that you keep this here with with this group, with this community together. Yeah. And wish you well. <laughs> Thank you.